Financial Grown-Up Guide, Year-End Tax Planning, How-Tos with special guest co-host, Certified Financial Planner, David Ray. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, Certified Financial Planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. We got this. Hey, financial grownups, welcome to a special financial grownup guide, year end tax planning how to's with our special guest co host, David Ray, certified financial planner, by the way. Hey, David. Hey there. All right, before we get to all the tax tips that you brought, I just want to remind all of our listeners that this is a special episode. If you want what we now call our classic episodes, they drop on Mondays and Thursdays. We feature great money stories from high achievers. And if you want some guidance on which ones might be best on a certain topic, maybe you're interested in the stock market and what's been happening recently, or you want to hear from entrepreneurs, be in touch. DM me on all the socials on Instagram at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel, and you can always email us at hello at financialgrownup.com. So welcome, David. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me back. And we want to remind everyone, we talked about this before we went on, that while both David and I are certified financial planners, and David has a lot more letters after his name with lots of fancy certifications and degrees. (laughs) I try and be fancy. I'm also an accredited investment fiduciary and a few other things, but we'll go with certified financial planner. That's the important one today. Thank you. And so we both have those, but we are not your CFPs. So it's really important to do your own due diligence, check with your own favorite financial professionals before you make any moves. But the point of this is to get the discussion going. And so you kind of know what questions to ask and where to start. Right, David? Absolutely. And we want to start with the changes because 2018, this is where we really geek out. 2018 is going to be really interesting from a tax perspective because so much changed. It is. The Trump tax plan, whatever you want to call it, big, big, big changes to how you're going to file your taxes, what your taxes are going to look like, whether you're getting a big refund or you're going to be owing taxes. And I know it's been really touted as a big tax break, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and think a lot of the financial grownups listening to this podcast are going to be in the few, few people who are seeing their taxes go up. I know for myself, my taxes are going up pretty dramatically because of some of the changes like a cap on the state and local taxes at Mm $10,000, which $10,000 may seem like a lot of money. And real estate, yes. So that includes your property taxes. And so, you know, if you're in LA or California, that's like an $800,000 house if you don't have a job. So if your house is worth more than that, you're probably going to start losing some deductions. And I assume most of us that own a home probably Mm -hmm. have a job to pay for that home. So, you know, I think I looked at it in New York. If you were single, that's something like 150,000 salary if you don't own any real estate and own property taxes. So the numbers get pretty, pretty low if you're combining income and and taxes. So let's just assume you have a house, you're probably making at least the halfway between those, you know, zero and 150, and you're probably paying some state and local taxes. So that's a big one for a lot of homeowners. And I know like in Manhattan or LA, Seven, eight hundred thousand dollars for a property doesn't buy you a mansion like it might in other parts of the country. No offense to any part of the country. Yeah. Uh, so really take a look at that. Go look at your taxes, maybe from last year, and see what did I pay in property taxes? What did I pay in state taxes? And really see where that goes. Right. Although some people were already getting hit by the AMT. So you may have been hit by that. You may not have been getting those deductions, but a lot's changing in exemptions and deductions also. 
Yeah, there are some, there's a lot of deductions that go away and I don't think we have time to go through all of them, but it's expected about 90% of people for 2018 are going to just take the standard deduction, which basically doubled, give or take, to 12,000 and 24,000 if you're single or married filing jointly. So that just means a lot less things that deduction didn't necessarily go away. You just won't necessarily take it. So if you have a mortgage, but your interest is less than and all that good stuff, all your deductions are less than 24,000. If you're married, you're probably just itemized. So you don't even have to think about it. But again, I think a lot of the listeners here are going to be in that 10% that are still probably itemizing. If you're giving money to charity, or if you do have own a home, and if you do have still a good income and state and local taxes and some other things that you're paying, it's still pretty easy to be above that 12,000 or $24,000 number. So some deductions that are going away really probably aren't that big a deal for this conversation, but just be aware of things that you might've deducted and kind of go, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get a deduction for that. Right. Well, for example, I mean, I think you lose the deduction for the person who prepares your taxes. Yes. yes. Which is an, Um, that's very meta, right? Yes, totally. (laughs) Um, And there's, you know, the tax rates are dropping, but you know, if you're losing deductions, you might have more income that's being hit by those tax breaks. So, you know, different people are going to see this in different ways. And some people that are expecting a big tax break, we've run the analysis and they're like, Ooh, you're saving $12 per year, which, mm. you know, as nice. We but can all go exactly have you. lattes with a friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you brought with you five things that we can do. We can't control the tax code, but we can control some things. And I want to go to those five because one of them does have to do with the deductions and you have a strategy for that. But we've got five. So number one of the year-end tax strategies to do, number one, max out your retirement accounts. This is a big one. I mean, you you technically have till probably April if you're doing like a Roth or a traditional IRA contribution. But I can't tell you how often I've had conversations with CPAs and clients April 15th, and they're like, (laughs) I don't have the money to put in the account. It would save them thousands of dollars in taxes, but plan ahead and try and at least save knowing that, you know, I want to put in $5,500 into my traditional IRA or Roth IRA by tax time. Do it now if you can, because the market's down. It's a great time to buy when it's low. Yes, Uh, yes. You know, if you're listening to this later, just plan ahead so you're not coming at your taxes at April 15th. And I'm not a huge fan of doing your taxes the last day anyways. No, if you're in that crunch, by the way, you can always get an extension. That's important. If you are in that position, rather than make mistakes or have to refile, you could just get the extension. But go on, David, sorry. Yeah, no, it's totally great there. But yeah, do take an extension if you totally don't have your stuff together. But you know, if you can make the retirement contribution before you're in, that's great. And keep in mind, leading to number two is if you are a small business owner or self-employed, or even just an independent contractor for your side hustle, you do need to set up the solo 401k if you're going to do something like that. It has to be opened by year end, but you don't necessarily have to put the money in. So okay. That's a big distinction. That is a big distinction. So for like myself, my unfortunately last year, my business taxes didn't get done till way past April 15th. (laughs) But so I had put in my personal contribution during the year, the 18,500 into my solo 401k. And then the business contribution you have until you file your taxes, which could be as late as October, the 2019 for 2018. But the deadline is that the 401k has to be open. The paperwork has to be set up with your custodian or wherever you're opening the account by year end. So you have to open the account, but you don't necessarily have to put money in, which is great 
for those of us that are making pretty good incomes, you can kind of, I always go and figure out what's the maximum I can put in to get the maximum tax break with my accountant. And for my clients, I sit down and go, look, if we put in 30 more thousand dollars, it's going to save you $15,000 in taxes. It's a pretty easy conversation. And the money is going to be invested. Yes. And it will be invested and grow. <laughs> exactly. It'll be invested. It hopefully will grow, no guarantees. But if you're going to invest it now, at least you will be buying the same investments at a lower price. So Absolutely. we're trying to be positive <laughs> about the market pullback here. All right, let's go to number three. And this goes back to what you were talking about with deductions. Yeah. So there are different years that you might itemize or might not. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who are really, especially married couples, are going to be really close to that $24,000 number of deductions. They're either going to be well below it or you're going to be right at that number or well above it. So you want to bunch your itemized deductions together. So, you know, we're at December and a third of charitable deductions typically come in during this month. So, you know, you might go, look, I'm going to be itemizing this year. Let me make next year's charitable contributions before year end so that I get to itemize and take that deduction. Whereas next year, you're like, I won't be that high for various reasons. So I don't need the deduction as much. And maybe communicate that to the charity so that they know, because sometimes yes. then they'll expect you to meet that level. So if you're giving a dollar this year, and would have given a dollar next year and you give $2 this calendar year, tell them, no, this is for both years. Don't keep sending me mail. Yes, I, I do a lot of fundraising for different charities across my life. And it definitely, they're like, well, this is what you gave last year. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, 90% of that was December 31st. Yeah. And that was for this year, you know, which is great. It's still charitable. And I, I talk to a lot of people who do make donations they're like, well, I don't do it for the tax deduction. But the way I look at it is if you get a tax deduction, you can give more to the charity. So yes. for me personally, I go... It's costing me, let's just say, 70 cents on the dollar. That means I can give more money rather than being like, here's what's left at the end of the month because I paid all these taxes. And now I only have 70 cents to give versus a whole dollar. So things like that. We're at year end. You can make your January mortgage payment a few days early. It's probably due on January 1st anyway. So you know, paying it December 31st probably isn't a huge hardship. But the interest that would be on that mortgage payment would count for this year, which might help your, your itemized deductions as well. And property taxes. So last year, I made my first 2018 payment during 2017 because I knew the cap was going to be a problem, the new state and local tax. You were tax. so smart, David. <laughs> it makes so a big smart. difference. <laughs> it can, um, though. It can. As we discussed on my episode of your show, my property taxes are above $10,000 <laughs> a year. So we'll just say that. Um, <laughs> well, you're in California. I'm in California. I'm in Los Angeles. Um, don't get your panties twisted. It's a teardown <laughs> track house, but <laughs> it's expensive. So we'll leave it at that. But, you know, and then all, another thing to bunch is medical expenses. And this is kind of, you know, if you have yes. your- Oh, that's eight, great. Your, yes. If you can, if you know you've hit your deductibles on it for just not even be tax deductions, but if you've already hit your deductibles, try and get those last minute doctor's visits in um, so that you're paying less. And then also from deductions, you have to spend basically 7.5% of your income this year to be able to deduct things above that limit. So if you've already kind of spent that or you've had an illness or you've had some major expenses, it might be time to go in this. It might be hard to see the doctor the next few days before you're in, but try and get in and get anything that might be really expensive done because you'll be able to deduct it this year. So kind of planning ahead on some medical expenses, or if you haven't hit it and you have a big surgery coming up or a big kind of, I don't want to say elective expense, but there's certain things that aren't, right. you know, you're not going to the emergency room having, you know, open heart surgery, you know, as a, an emergency, push it off to January where you might be able to get some more expenses in and, and pay a little bit less out of pocket. All right, let's get to number four. 
Number four is consider using donor-advised funds, especially if you do give a lot to charity. This way, kind of going back to that bunching your donations, you can put money into the donor-advised fund all at once and get the deduction now for putting it in, and then you can kind of dole that money out to different charities or charity over time. So you don't have to give the money directly to the charity right now, but you get the deduction all at once. So it just makes it a little easier than trying to track what you've given to various charities throughout the year. And it's just a nice little way to make bigger chunks. Or let's just say, you know, year end, you go, I had an amazing year this year. Um, Let me give more to charity. And you don't have to really think about where it wants to go. Because I do talk to a lot of of my clients and they're like, you know, I'm so thankful for my life. I'm so thankful for my success. And I want to give to charity. But I don't really have anything I'm passionate about right now, or right. I know I have something coming up. There's a, the charity I really like to give to is having a big campaign starting next year or the, the year following to do some special project that really maybe touches your heart more. It gives you some flexibility to get the tax breaks when you need it and then give charitably when you don't. All right. The last one, number five, is probably the most appropriate, most of interest to people these days, given what is going on in the market, and that is tax loss harvesting. Explain what that is for anyone that doesn't know. Yeah. So tax loss harvesting is basically kind of looking at your portfolio and saying, what can I sell for a nice short-term tax break is generally the most used way to go. And right now, if you put some money in the market in 2018, you probably have some things that are down or have taken a loss. And the goal would be to try and get basically $3,000 in short-term losses. That doesn't necessarily mean your portfolio overall went down. It just means some of your holdings went down. And when I say short-term losses, I mean holdings or investments that you've had for less than a year. It's called a short-term loss. And you can kind of go in and go, oh my gosh, I just put that money in in December or October or September and it's gone down (laughs) like the market has. And if you can capture basically $3,000 in short-term losses, you can deduct that against your regular income. So that's kind of the most common way. And it's kind of the bright side of- It softens the blow a little bit. The dip we're taking right now. Which is all we can ask for at this point. I just want to say, just talking on the market, you know, if you're retiring in 10 or 20 years, don't worry about this market. This happens about once a year. So I'm not terribly concerned, but I definitely know people out there are concerned. And if you read the headlines, it seems like the world is ending. But we had a similar dip in January. We had a dip the year before. It happens on average like once a year. So I don't particularly freak out about it other than I know I'm going to get more calls from people uh, needing advice. So uh, great. All right. Remind everyone where they can find you and learn more about you. Absolutely. My blog is financialplannerla.com. I also write for Forbes. And if you want to find me on Twitter, it's David Ray CFP. And if you want to find me on Instagram, it's David Ray LA. Thank you, David. Love those Forbes columns. Talk to you soon. Good one. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.